Uh, yeah, there we go. Thank you. Uh, we're teaching through the doctrines of Christ. We, we taught through uh, the virgin birth, uh, the importance of the virgin birth. Um, taught through the uh, just humanity as a weakness, what the limitations of being a human are uh, for all, all people. And then we taught through the sinlessness of Jesus. Could Jesus have sinned? We try to answer that question. Could Jesus have sinned? Hopefully we answered it well. Today we are going to be um, talking through the two natures of, of Jesus, 100% God and 100%. Was it necessary? Was it necessary for Jesus to have 100% uh, man, be 100% man and 100% God? That's the question that we're, uh, we're going to answer today. Jesus Christ had had two natures, but they were one. Um, and just a quick reminder, uh, the study that, that we're going through, that I'm teaching through, is Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. Uh, it's, a, it's a great foundational uh, book uh, on uh, systematic theology, um, and I recommend it. Certainly there are things that um, and everybody's uh, understanding of Scripture is maybe a little bit different than ours, but I, I would say for the most part, he lines up with uh, what we believe and what we teach. So I recommend it highly. And this, this outline is from his and most of the notes, so just, just want to make sure that's clear. Uh, so the question we're going to answer, want to answer today is, was Jesus' full humanity necessary? Was his humanity, humanity necessary? First John Four, we're going to read um, uh, two through three. John, the Apostle John says this. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come into to flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. And you might be asking yourself, you know, why would the Apostle John um, have to say this or want to write this? Why would, he, why would he pen this? Obviously, the Holy Spirit led him, but um, the reason I think that he was uh, writing this specifically was there was a, there was a teaching called uh, docetism, docetism that was being taught in that time. And basically, they would believe that, um, that material creation is inherently evil. And which is why Jesus could not fully be a human. And uh, I'm not sure if any religions specifically follow that today. But we know of religions that don't believe that God is a man. For example, Judaism. Um, they did not believe Jesus was a man. Islam does not believe Jesus was uh, a God was a man. Uh, Mormonism, uh, Mormons, Jehovah's Witness, Buddhists, and, and I'm sure many more. All of those religions teach that Jesus was either just a man or he was some sort of, you know, religious figure. But they, they don't teach that Jesus was both man and God. And that is what John is trying to say here when he says, um, you know, if you don't believe that Jesus was not only God, if you don't believe that he was God, but you also don't believe he's a man, then, then you're from the devil. He was using those very strong words or the belief system from the antichrist he uses the antichrist himself to john to the apostle john to deny christ as being fully human is to deny god himself 
This is a core truth and a core belief system that we as followers of Christ must adhere to. And if we don't, then we are denying God himself. And today we're going to discuss several reasons why I believe that Jesus' full humanity is absolutely necessary. And here are the seven things specifically that we'll go through quickly. It's not going to take long. Uh, One is that he could be our representative. Number two is he could be our substitute. He could be our mediator. He fulfilled God's original purpose. He'd be our example, be our pattern for our redeemed bodies, and he could finally sympathize with us. And let's let's look at the first reason why Jesus' humanity was, was necessary, his full humanity, and it's to be our representative. Adam, we know, failed. Adam was created perfect. Adam and Eve were created perfect, right? Um, but they were not tested. When they were tempted, when Adam and Eve were tempted, we know that story in Genesis where uh, the, the serpent came to Adam and tempted him, tempted him, them both, and there was... It was, a, it was it, I think Sam and you mentioned it last week, it's just a simple thing. God said you could eat everything in the garden, but don't eat of this one specific thing. And isn't it that funny that sometimes in life it's like God's given us so much things, so many blessings, so many good things, but why do we go after the things, that, the one thing that we're not supposed to go after? Uh, and that's what Adam did, and that's what Eve did. And they ate of that fruit. It wasn't necessarily there was some sort of special power in that fruit, but it was that they were being tested, and God uh, told them not to do it, and what happened? They were disobedient. They were tempted, and I don't know. I, I, I mean, that is the only time that we see that, that the first time that Adam was tempted, right? So it was the first time, one time, they were tempted, and then they failed. On the other hand, Jesus was tempted in many ways, and we've talked about this in previous um, in previous uh, uh, conversations or previous talks through the, the studies that Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. The devil came to him. Uh, we, I think you know the story. And Jesus was tempted in every way, but he did not sin. So where Adam failed, Jesus obeyed. Jesus was the obedient one. Adam was the disobedient one. So in order for Jesus to become a man, uh, we know that God cannot be tempted. We, we studied that last week. So Jesus had to be a human so he could be tempted. He was fully obedient. Adam was disobedient. I love this passage in Romans, um, and we're going to read it here. It says, consequently... Just as one trespass, and I added those brackets in there, Adam, that was Adam, resulting in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act, Jesus Christ added those, resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one man, that's Adam, the many were made sinners, so all through the obedience of the one man, Jesus Christ, the many will be righteous. Isn't that interesting? That it's one man that condemned all. One man saved all. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? That's the power of what Jesus did. Jesus was fully obedient and Adam was disobedient. 
one time. That's all it took. Next, we're going to look at how that, <clears throat> that Paul states the fact that Jesus was the last Adam. Um, oh, yes, I, I thought I missed a note there. Jesus was the last Adam. Adam was obviously the first man. He was created from dust of the earth, and, and he, was, he, was from, um, he was from this world. Jesus was from heaven. We're going to read that in 1 Corinthians. The yellow represents Adam, and the green represents Christ. In my scribbling there, uh, 1 Corinthians, Paul says, fifteen forty-five through forty-nine. So, so it was written: the first Adam was be, was became a living being; the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but but the the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth; that's Adam. The second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth, and as is the heavenly man, so are those who are in heaven. And just as we have been born of the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. Adam was the first man. He was made from the dust of the earth. And Jesus was the last Adam, Paul says, because he was the perfect one, and he came from heaven. So Jesus is our representative as a human person because he, was, he, he, he had to be tempted. And then he was proven to be obedient. Scripture says he's our last Adam. Secondly, the, the importance of Jesus' full humanity is that he is our, our substitute. He's our substitute. And the first reason is, is a kind of a no-brainer statement. Uh, if if Jesus wasn't a man, he couldn't have died in our place. So God obviously can't die. He's he's a spirit. He's not able to die. Uh, so Jesus had to be a man. If Jesus were not a man, he could not die in our place. Um, secondly, his his humanity was necessary so that we could be he could be our propitiation. And I know that that was a big word, propitiation. But it's it's such a powerful, meaningful word. It, it literally just means that he is, he is uh, that it, Jesus appeased God. It's not something that we use, I know, every day, but, it, but it's, it's important to, for us to understand. Christ died on the cross. His death on the cross appeased God. It was our substitutional atonement. It, was, it was, should have been us that died. And if we don't accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, we, the people that deny Christ on this earth, they will pay for their sins, and it will take all of eternity to pay for it. They'll never pay it off. Uh, that passage in 1 John says that, uh, John says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will no, not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. He was our substitute. Hebrews 2 says this, For surely it is not the angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Jesus had to be a man to be our substitute. He didn't just come to this earth to save the angels. That's not his purpose. The angels did have a choice, and they, 
some angels decided not to follow God and they were kicked out of heaven. Jesus didn't come to die for them. He came to become a man so that he could save mankind. But in order for this to happen, Jesus had to be like us in every way so that Jesus could be our substitute, our atonement, and that could appease a holy God. So, Jesus was our substitute. Thirdly, he is our mediator. We saw that Jesus was our representative in our first thing, our substitute, and now we're going to look at he's our mediator. Because of, of, of mankind's sin, uh, we were alienated from God. We, we could not have a relationship with a holy God. We had to be perfect. Uh, if you know the story of Moses, when he, um, he, he, he was close to face-to-face with God, he only could see part of God. And that part of God radiated, his face radiated. And if he would have seen all of God, he would have died. Without Christ, we could not have a relationship with God because we were alienated we had sin we were scarred Jesus fulfilled that that representative role the Catholics teach that there's this mediator between God and man and that's that's a priest Um, you confess your sins to the priest the priest tells you some things to do and the priest absolves you or whatever of your sins. That's not scriptural. First Timothy 2 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind. That man is Christ Jesus. There is one God, one man. There's nobody in between that. Certainly the Old Testament saints had to go to the temple um, and sacrifice a lamb, but they had to do it over and over again. That was not that was a temporary thing. It didn't fully appease God. When Jesus Christ came and died on the cross, there was no need for the temple. There was no need for sacrifice anymore. Jesus satisfied our God because he was our mediator. Fourthly, Jesus' humanity was necessary because it fulfilled God's original purpose. It fulfilled God's original purpose. It um, Hebrews, uh, Hebrews uh, 2.8 says that God put mankind to subdue and rule over God's creation. But what happened? Adam failed. Hebrew, or Matthew 28, Jesus has conquered. Jesus conquered and was given all authority in heaven. He says this as he, as he ascended into heaven. His very last things he said to, to the people around him. Jesus did what the Father asked him to do. He came to this earth. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. Three days later, he rose from the grave, and then he ascended into heaven, and God gave him all authority in heaven and earth. In Ephesians 1, God put all things under him. And then, finally, Jesus will reign on his throne forever, as we see in Revelations 3, 21. The expectation is that Jesus will reign forever and ever on his throne. So, Jesus' humanity was necessary to fulfill God's original purpose because Adam failed. You start to see this pattern of, you know, there was was a responsibility given to Adam, and then what happened? Mankind failed. Jesus had to come to be that perfect sacrifice, be that perfect servant, 
to be that perfect person. Fifthly, it's to be Jesus. Jesus' humanity was necessary because he needed. He was to be our example. He needed to be a man so that we could have a perfect example. Think about it this way. I'm sure you've had people that you've uh, interacted with and looked up to in your, uh, if you've been saved for a while, maybe other Christian believers and leaders, and, and, and maybe they've failed you, and that's so discouraging. You looked up to them, and you, maybe you even try to live up to their expectations or live up to the way that they live. That's not Jesus. Jesus is perfect. He's a perfect example. When we compare ourselves any time to any other person, we're always going to be short of what Christ is. And that is why Jesus came to be one of the reasons why he came as a man is to, to be our example. 1 John 2 says, if, if we claim to be a follower of Jesus, we must, we must walk like him. Jesus didn't just come to this earth and, and do all these things and then uh, say, good luck, guys. He, there was a reason why he came. He was trying to give, give, be, have us to be an example. This is how you live the life that you should live. The other thing is that when Jesus appears again, we will be like him. 1 John 3 says, dear friends, now we are children of God and, and what we will be and what will be has not yet been known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. All who have hit this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. That's full sanctification and glorification that's going to happen when we see Christ again. Whether that is when he comes again or when we die and, and see him face to face. Face. Jesus had to become a man in order to live as our example. Philippians, um, uh, or 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all who are with unveiled face contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image with every increase in glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Jesus, was, Jesus came to be our example. And then the last point, he had to become a man in order to live as an example in Philippians 3.10, or sorry, 1 Peter 2.21, it says, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Again, Jesus came. He had to be human so that we could relate to him. He, he understood what it was like to suffer. He understood what it was like was it like to, to be hungry, to be sad? And he did that because he was a man. Sixth point, the importance of Jesus' necessity is to be our pattern for our redeemed body. And let's look at this passage and, and we'll kind of break it apart in 1 Corinthians First Corinthians uh, 15, 42-49 says, So will it be with the resurrection of the dead, the body that is sown imperishable, it is raised imperishable, and I put these brackets in, that's the glorified body. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. 
It is sown as a natural body. It is raised in the spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first Adam, that's actually Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, that's Jesus Christ, a living, uh, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, and the second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are on the earth. As And as in the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have been born of the image of the earthly man, Adam, so we shall bear the image of the heavenly man, Christ. Jesus came to be our pattern of a redeemed body. We have a physical body. We see that. We know that. Jesus rose from the dead. It was not a spirit. It was a, a body. It was a glorified body. And one day, in verse 49, that first part, one day, we, if we are followers of Christ, we will have a glorified body as well. Jesus came, had to become a man so that he could die a man and be raised as a, as a, a man. And that is a pattern for us that we were going to one time, we're going to die. All of us are going to die unless Christ comes back and we'll be raised up with him. Last point of this section of uh, the necessity of Jesus is being fully human. We talked about uh, just a reminder of Jesus being fully human. The necessity of that is that he's, number one, our representative. He's our substitute. He's our mediator. He fulfilled God's original promise that Adam couldn't do. He's our perfect example. And then we just talked about he's the, this is the pattern of what our redeemed body is. And finally, so that Jesus can sympathize with us. Jesus suffered to help us who are tempted. Hebrews 2.18 says, because he himself suffered when we, he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. That is an amazing thing that we can't just uh, throw away. The fact that Jesus suffered, he can sympathize with us. And I, I talked about this before, but I remind us again. If you've gone through difficult times, God allowed you to go through difficult times, and you've gone on the other side of it, carried you through when somebody else around you goes through something similar to that there's a way that you can sympathize with somebody in a special way and I, I don't have a great example but um, I you know when I got COVID I went into the hospital and and it's kind of interesting that the the people that I've talked to I have this special bond with people that have also had COVID and went in the hospital there's a couple of people that I can talk to and there's no one, I, no one really can understand. I can sympathize with them and they can sympathize with me because they went through that. And this is a much greater thing. Obviously, Jesus Christ was perfect. The fact that a perfect God came to this world and lived in this crazy life, it, it's, it's just mind-blowing to me. But Jesus did that and he did that to help us. We can run to Christ when we're going through difficult times. He's not a God who just sits. There are religions. I believe that Islam is this way, and I don't know it well, but I've talked to enough people to know that 
their God, Allah, they, they cry out to God and they hope. And sometimes he's a fickle God, it seems like, where maybe sometimes he's, he, he's, he's a loving God and sometimes he's not. He's a wrathful God. Our God is a God who can sympathize. Jesus Christ can sympathize with us. When we go to him with, with the trials of life, we can run to him knowing that he was tempted and he knows how hard it is to live this world. That is a great thing. Also, we have a high priest who understands temptation. Hebrews 4.15 If Jesus had not been a man, he would not have been able to fully sympathize with us, with the struggle that, of our life. I'm going to close with this. Uh, Jesus will be a man forever. Jesus will be a man forever. And, and that, that's, again, maybe that's a dull statement to you, but it's an important, important statement. Jesus didn't die and, and then turn into a ghost. Or, you know, he, he had a physical body. He had flesh and bones in Luke 24, we saw. Jesus, in, in Luke, it was recorded Jesus ate. He ate fish with the disciples on the shore. Jesus' new body, we know, was taken up into heaven. He didn't leave that body here. So he, he came, he was born of a virgin, he died on the cross three days later. He rose from the gra grave, and then he interacted with people, many people, ate with them, talked with them. Doubting Thomas touched his hands and, and the holes in his hands, right? And, and then his body was ascended into heaven. It didn't just, didn't just stay there. It went with him. It was the same. It was together. So his body is, Jesus is 100% man, 100% God. In Acts 7, we, we see that, that Stephen went right before he died. As he looked up into heaven, he saw Jesus. He recognized Jesus. So, again, he in heaven, Stephen was able to recognize Jesus, the, the physical out, outward appearance of him. And then on the road to Damascus, uh, Paul, or Saul at the time, he, he understood, he recognized Jesus. In Revelations 1, John had a vision, and, and John says Jesus appeared like a son of man. And finally, in Revelations 19.9, Jesus promises a great marriage supper. We've talked about this before. There will be a time where there will be, everything will be at peace, that everything will be complete, and we will have this great supper. can't even imagine hopefully billions and billions of people that we'll be able to worship with and we will all have a glorified body. Wayne Grudem closes this section with this. I thought it was an appropriate quote. He says, all of these texts indicate that Jesus did not temporarily become a man. He didn't just come to this earth and then do his thing and then leave but that his divine nature was permanently united to his human nature. And he lives forever, not just as the eternal son of God, because that's important, but the second person of the Trinity. But he also lives as Jesus, the man who was born of Mary, and as Christ, the Messiah, and the Savior of his people. Jesus will remain fully God and fully man, yet one person forever. That is not 
something we should just gloss over. That is something that we should give praise to God. And I close with this, as I have been every single week, because I think it's a great passage in Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of Man, Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is what our prayer should be. The praise is that God came for us as a man, lived a life that was perfect, died on the cross, the cross that we should have died, and that death appeased appeased a God who demanded perfection. And then three days later, he rose from the grave. This should be our prayer and our praise. It's an amazing fact that God loved us so much. He didn't have to send his son, Jesus. Adam had an opportunity. Adam and Eve had an opportunity, and they failed. And it, and it could have been it for all of mankind. Uh, matter of fact, God could have let the world continue as it has, and people could have just continued to procreate and live a life of ungodliness, and they would have all died, and they all went to hell. But Jesus was sent on our behalf to be our mediator, to be our substitutional atonement, to be the sacrifice that we should have done. We, didn't, we couldn't live that life that we should have lived. He was the perfect lamb, perfect sacrifice. And that allows us to have a relationship with God, a perfect God. I don't know how to relate this to anything else. The closest thing I can think, to, think of is if there's some sort of special king or, or president or something that, that we would ever want to have a relationship with, it's literally impossible for people in this room probably to be able to talk to, let's say, the king of England. What's his name, King George now? Did, what's his name? Charles. King Charles. Tell me if anyone here can figure out how to talk to King Charles. You could probably send emails, phone calls. You maybe even go out to England and, and try to vi visit him. But you could not have a face-to-face -face with him unless you did something special or you knew somebody special. But we have an opportunity to go before the throne of God because of what Christ has done, the maker of, the, of heaven and earth. We can go right to God. We don't have to go to a priest. We don't have to go to the temple. Anywhere we are, we can talk to God. That is an amazing thing. And he'll hear us. He wants to hear us. He wants a relationship with us. Why? Why? God loves us so much. Hopefully, as you think about the things that God has done, as you think about the importance of the doctrines of Christ, it's not just a systematic theological way for you to go, yeah, I get that. That book, book knowledge of who God is, is is important, but if you don't, if there's no love there, it's not important. It's, it doesn't matter. You got to have that love. So you have to take the knowledge and apply it. So I think for us today, 
we're going to pray and we're going to sing songs. Be reminded of how great God is. Be reminded of what a, an amazing Savior we have, sacrificial Savior we have. Praise Him. But also don't forget, He did all of these things so we could follow Him. It wasn't just so, uh, yes, it was to save us from going to hell um, and allow us to have a relationship with Him, with God. But it was, it was, it was an example, he's an example for us. So if we're not living an exampled life, then I would say, check yourself and see, is there life there? Because followers of Christ should be truly followers of Christ. We should be telling others about Christ. We should try to be living our lives more and more like Christ. We should be studying scripture, understanding it, reading it as best as we can and, and praising God. And if we're not, then I would say, you need to check yourself. Let's take time to praise God right now as we pray, and then we will sing a song of praise to him. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for uh, the gift of life, and we thank you for uh, this great doctrine, Lord. We, we know that it is um, important for us to understand. We know that the truth from it is is clear from your scripture. We thank you for how it's been detailed out and, and clearly explained who Christ is and why Christ came for us. We know that without Christ, we would all be lost. And we thank you and praise you for uh, just the opportunity that we have to fellowship with you because of what he has done. And we want to praise you for that. But Lord, we also want to live our lives obedient not to work our salvation off, but, Father, to, to live it the way we should. The life that Christ lived is the life that we should live. And, and Father, I know in my life that I fail you often, and I know uh, others would say the same. God, we pray that you would help us to, uh, to live a life holy, worthy to be called Christ's followers. Help us to, to take life serious, Lord. We don't know our last breath. And we're called here to tell others about who you are and what your son has done for us. And I pray that you do that diligently every moment that we have. Father, we ask these things in Christ's precious name. Amen.